The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Well, good morning, church. I want to welcome everyone in the name of Jesus to our gathering this morning, and particularly to you who are visitors. We offer the peace of Christ to you, and we'd love to shake your hand and get to know you a little bit after church, if you're new to this church. We have some people, special people, who are visiting today, but they are no visitors. Don and Cindy Rokasi are here, and they are back. Yeah, let's give them a hand. Let's have them. Where are they? All right, if you guys can stand up. You get the embarrassing missionary stand up and wave. I had to do it, so you're going to have to do it. That's the deal. All right, they are back. Julia is graduating, and so they're back this Sunday, and I think next Sunday... Uh, for Julia's graduation, and we are very happy to have you guys here. Um, welcome. Let's begin with prayer. Father, we thank you for your coming. That we are gathered here because you came into this world, and that you gave us your son. And as we are in this season of Advent, waiting for you to break in on us again. We ask that you prepare our hearts. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to follow. And God, I pray for the gift of preaching. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, all the Christmas decorations are, have been brought out in the house. We're running a little late. When I say they've been brought out, they're not put up. They're just scattered everywhere around the house. That's what that means. And yes, Kim said I could say that. She doesn't bother at all. But I'm stepping over ornaments and decorations. And... But we've got all the Thanksgiving stuff up. And now we're putting all the Christmas stuff up. I think one of the plans this afternoon, after the other multiple things we're going to do, is put up the Christmas tree. Yes, we're late. We're late. And I still haven't put up those Christmas lights, but they're going to come. But you feel it, right? This season of preparation. Where all the decorations come out. and You've got to get the tree up and the ornaments hung on the tree and the lights. You've got to start shopping. Maybe if you're way ahead of the game, you've already started wrapping gifts you're making plans, you're anticipating guests, you're intending parties. There's a lot to get ready for for Christmas. And Advent, as we've been talking about, means coming. And Advent is a time where the church prepares for Christmas, for the coming of the incarnate word into the world. We prepare our hearts for God to break in upon us once again. But this is not only a time for the church to make preparations for the celebration of the arrival of Jesus that we'll celebrate on Christmas Day. Not just the celebration of his first coming. We usually don't think about it this much, but Advent for the church has always been not only celebration and preparation for God's first coming into the world, but it's also preparation for God's second coming, for the second Advent. So like Christmas... The second advent, there's lots of things to look forward to, our text in 2 Peter says. 
fact, it says it twice. We look forward to. And there's lots to prepare for. In verse 13, Peter says this. But in keeping with his promises, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. He says, this is what we're looking forward to. To the new heaven and new earth where justice dwells. In other words, what he's saying is, we look forward to the time when God's going to come back in all his glory and he's going to make everything right. We look forward to the day when there's no more cancer. He's going to make it right. We look forward to the day when there's no more abuse. We look forward to the day when there's going to be no more addiction. We look forward to the day where there's going to be no more violence and corruption. We look forward to the day when there's going to be no more depression. He's going to come and he's going to make it right. We look forward to the day when there's no more poverty. We look forward to the day when all lies will end. We look forward to the day when all in pain, hurt and pain and infidelity will be no more. He's going to come back. He's going to make it right. We look forward to the day when all children will have loving parents. He's going to come back. He's going to make it right. And we look forward to the day when there's not going to be any more death. He will come back, and He is going to make it right. But in keeping with His promise, we are looking forward to the new heaven and new earth where righteousness dwells. But to be honest with you, when you hear stories in the news... Stories that we've been hearing about lately over and over again. Stories about Harvey Weinstein. Stories about rampant sexual assault and misconduct. And then you hear about Matt Lauer. And then you hear about a bunch of our political leaders. And then you realize there's some that you hear about and they still deny it. And you wonder, is it going to get any better? And then you know the kind of exploitations of women's bodies that happen on the internet. This seems to get being worse and worse. And you wonder, is it going to get any better? And the amount of times the Me Too tag comes up, hashtag comes up, and you wonder, is it going to get any better? Will it ever get any better? Then you hear of that other couple that's getting a divorce, and you're like, not another one. And you wonder, is it ever going to get any better? Then there's another mass shooting. 
and you wonder, is it ever going to get any better? When there's addiction and there doesn't need to seem to be any way out, and you wonder, is it ever going to get any better? When there's deception and lies and relationships and trust have been broken and you wonder, is it ever going to get any better? When you hear the news that, again, somebody's got cancer, you wonder. When depression hits hard and there's no end in sight and you wonder, is it ever going to get any better? When loneliness or shame or guilt or conflict or betrayal and you wonder, is it ever going to get any better? And those of us that are getting older, we have this experience more often that when you keep going to more and more funerals, you wonder, Is it ever going to get any better? We look forward to the day when God will come and make all things right, but we hear and experience the bad news over and over again, and we are tempted to despair, to forget, to not look forward. We are just tempted to live as if this is the way it is. Have you ever heard that before? This is just the way the world is. And we wonder, will it get any better? And this seems to be the sentiment in Second Peter. The text we read this morning, we began in verse 8, but let's back up and begin in verse 3. It says this, Peter says, Above all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, when is this coming that he promised? Even ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Is he really ever going to come back? Because we can wait and we can anticipate for Christmas because we know it's in, I don't know, how many more days? 14. Of course a kid knows. Of course the kid knows. <laughs> and so you, some of you think, yes. You're thinking, oh, 15 more days. And some of you are like, shoot, only 15 more days. But I wonder, things just roll on for us. And there's no, only 15 more days till he comes back. And we just get kind of lost. And we're not going to say this. No one in this room, I think, will say this. But our hearts and our lives, we maybe kind of wonder. This question lurks around. When is this coming that he promised? And Peter has a word for those that ask this question. In fact, he has three different things. 
He says there's three things that those who ask this question, they don't ever consider. He says, first of all, but they deliberately forget that long ago, God's word, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water by water. By these waters also the world of that time was also deluged and destroyed. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. And he says, first of all, here's what I have to say about his, this promise coming. You're not paying attention. You don't understand that God said by his word, he spoke creation to existence. And he separated the waters from the land. And then we know in the time of Noah that he also, by that same water, destroyed every living creature, except for Noah and all who were on the ark. And he says, but it won't be water next time. In the same way that by his word he created the world, by his word it's going to come to an end. But it won't be by water next time. Next time it's going to be by fire and what Peter is doing is he's drawing on a common understanding that Jew, not only Jews, but Gentiles have, at least one understanding that Gentiles have, is that the most basic element, at least one thought was, the most basic element of the earth was fire. And that the gods took fire and they molded it into things like human beings and water and the earth. And one day, they also believed that the world was going to end by fire. This is not just Peter saying this. This is what some Greek philosophers thought as well. And what he takes and he says this, he says God's, world, God's word brought the world into the world. And God's word, by his word, he could just take it out. Just bring it all to an end. And so one day, God's word is going to come like a fire or in the form of a fire, and it's going to melt everything away and leave everything bare. And we're going to know all the good things, and we're going to know all the bad things, and everything is going to be stripped down to its most basic. In verse 8, he goes on and says this, the second thing. The first thing you don't know is that God's word, the power of God's word. The second thing you don't know and you don't consider is that, but you do not, but do not forget one thing, dear friends, verse 8. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. In this, this verse, we know it very well. In fact, a lot of times what I hear this verse is used is to argue for creation, right, in light of science. But this has really probably nothing to do with creation. He's talking about God's judgment is God's business on God's schedule. That's what that means. Did you hear that? God's judgment is God's business, and it's on God's schedule, not our schedule. And so the long delay that we experience should be viewed from a different perspective. And this is where the third part comes in. The way we view God's long delay from a, from a different perspective. 
In verse 9, he says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. What they don't understand about this delay is God's character. God's character is patient. Time and time again, Israel, God's people, they know this patience. And then we have this story in the Old Testament where Jonah goes to Nineveh. And they deserve judgment. They deserve to be destroyed, and Jonah wants them to be destroyed. But by the time you get to chapter 4, verse 2, Jonah says this, I knew that you are a gracious God, that you are merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and ready to relent from punishing. Then Peter goes on in verse 9 and says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It's almost as Peter says, this is cause for joy. His delay is cause for joy because the church says, faithful one, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, not just for myself, but for the whole world. This is actually why you come together on Sunday morning. Because of God's grace and his patience. We say thanks be to God. But even after all that evidence, I find myself in the daily grind and it's hard to hope. Because even though he says he's coming back and he's going to make all things right, all the data around me says that's not the way it is. And history tells me this has been going on a long time. Will it ever get any better? In fact, in some cases, I hear this a lot, it may even be getting worse. Repentance is not common. It just seems like this is the way the world is. But Peter, first, Second Peter ten, verse Second Peter three, verse ten says this. But the day of the Lord will come, and it'll come like a thief. In other words, thieves don't make announcements about when they're coming. The heavens will disappear with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. And then what's interesting is that he turns the whole issue of Christ's second coming, the second advent, he turns it back to you and I. 
And he asked this question. I don't think in this translation above, it doesn't have a question, but in my Bible, it has a question. Verse 11, it says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, here's the question. Since this is God's promised future, what kind of people ought you be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed it's coming. And what he's saying there is saying, when these guys are saying or when you're feeling like, when's this promise coming going to happen? And he makes this argument about it's God's word and that God's timing is different. And it's God's business to judge. And then he's slow to anger. But we feel and we yearn for things to be made right. And we want to just despair in that. He says, here's what real hope looks like. Hope just is not like a faint feeling that you have. Or man, I hope this changes. But hope is this active action in the world. He says, because we know God's promises and that he's going to come back a second time, he asked this question, so how are you going to live? So for those of us who hope in the second coming, that hope and pray that God's going to return and make everything right, he said hope looks like righteousness. It looks like living into the world that God has promised. It looks like living into God's promised future. It looks like living into the most real thing that we can't quite see fully yet. When we lived in Uganda... One of the things that our brothers and sisters of Christ taught us about was that the gospel is much bigger than just church planting. They taught us that the gospel actually addresses other things like health care and education and the environment. They actually taught us that. And so one of the needs that people in the villages that we worked with was this need for clean water. And so we got into the practice as part of our work of, of uh, helping to dig water wells. And when we'd tell people about this and when they found out about it, they would say, oh, so I see the plan. So you're, 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 you're meeting their physical need. So that way you could tell them about Christ. It's like, actually, no. I mean, we tell them about Christ, but we're not doing this. It's not like a bait and switch, like we're trying to have a carrot and stick. And then some said, well, it's just good humanitarian work. It's like, well, no, it's not just good humanitarian work. Because just because the water's clean when we initially dig the well, it doesn't mean it's always going to be clean. So people would ask, why? Why do you dig water wells? And we soon came to this conclusion. This is why we did it. It's because we believed 
that one day God's going to make all water clean. And we thought we should start on that now. We should live into the reality that we know is on its way coming and is a sure thing. God's going to make all water clean. So I want to end with this. And I don't want to start with men. Men. We don't exploit women and view their bodies as something to satisfy our desires or let other men get away with it because one day God is going to end all exploitation. And husbands and wives, we're faithful in our marriages. Because one day, God is going to end all infidelity. That's why we're faithful. And we're a people that seek peace, not violence. We're a people that love, that don't hate, because one day God is going to do away with all violence and hatred. It's a for sure thing coming. And we are a people that can forgive and reconcile. We are a people that can even love our enemies, because one day God is going to wipe out all the hurt and pain that we do to each other. He's going to wipe out all the hurt and pain done to us. He's going to erase all the things that come between us. And one day, this is why we can love our enemies, because one day they won't be your enemy. We tell the truth because one day God is going to reveal all truth, and he's going to do away with all lies. That's why we tell the truth. We intervene in people's lives who are caught in sin and addiction because one day God will end all things that destroy us and destroy our relationships with one another. And we work to heal and to comfort because one day God is going to heal all depression. God's going to heal all disease. One day God's going to heal all cancer. So that's why we work to heal. And I want to say that we do everything to bring life. To bring life as many places, in the cracks, in the crevices. We bring life, we bring life, we bring life. Because one day, God's going to destroy death. That's what hope looks like. Hope looks like an ethic and an action. That's how you hope in the world. What lives should you live in view of all this? That's how you should live. That's how you hope. Because Peter says, but in keeping with his promises, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with Him.
This is what hope looks like in the second coming. This is what it looks like to look forward to Advent. It looks like preparing the way. Living into the future, God's promised future, when all things are made new. May you live into that hope as we stand and sing.